Well, I think it's it's all about using, you know, who's using those buildings and who's using that built environment, that infrastructure. Uh, how you're making their lives better. That focus, I think the focus is shifting towards that needs to be done. Hello everyone and welcome to FutureX, a podcast by Martin Hearn, Event Director, Future Build, and co-host Dr. Oliver Jones, Research Director, Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series. Hello. Welcome to Future X. I'm Martin Hearn, Event Director of FutureBuild, and I'm really pleased to be once again joined by my co-host, Dr. Oliver Jones from Rider Architecture. Oliver, we're back. We've had a little break. What have you been up to? Oh, mate, what have I been up to? Well, I've had a baby. Not me personally, but Alison's had a baby. Congratulations. So we've, got, we've got plenty of sleepless nights going on. <laughs> um, and, and also, we've, uh, we've had FutureBuild. We definitely have. That's like that's like my little baby, you know. Oh, mate! It was. I've got to say, it was. It was amazing. It was full of energy. It was. You know. It was. It was absolutely the place to be for those three days. Um, but man, it was exhausting. There was just so much to see. There was so many people to talk to. Um, and also, I had to negotiate some time out of the house, <laughs> given the new arrival, to. to to come and experience it again and and, and it didn't disappoint you know back in the flesh after lockdown I think it was uh, it was a great show brilliant and and thank you 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 obviously hosted our big innovation pitch um, which really showcased six of the best bits of innovation at the show I was was so surprised I mean I say surprised I was I was really happy about the level of the level of innovation and the number of startups and the the energy that was there for for those for the big innovation pitch and those companies, you know, there, were, there was so much excitement around them. I think it really did them did them justice and did them credit in in, in the products that they've come up with and, and the innovations that they've been developing. And I think everybody was really pleased, and it was incredibly well attended. The big innovation pitch. Yeah, it was. It was probably one of the standout conference sessions for me as well. And actually, talking about innovation, this is sort of leading into our next series. You know, series two of our podcast. Um, which is firmly going to focus focus on innovation, and actually right on the back of the heels of Bayes confirming they're rising the UKRI's budget, um, they're going to invest over twenty five billion over the next three years, and we've got three amazing guests. People are probably the three people that are leading this for the built environment. So we're going to be in a minute talking to Mike Pitts, who's the deputy challenge director at Innovate UK, alongside Keith Waller, who's the program director at Construction Innovation Hub. And then Stan Stacey, who's the Challenge Director at UKRI. I don't think you could have three people who are more influential in the construction innovation space in one space. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm partially waiting for this microphone to melt as soon as they come on because, you know, there's some serious, serious big dogs in innovation there that are going to, going to be joining us. And I'm really, really excited to talk to them about, uh, and to Keith about the work that they've been doing with the Construction Innovation Hub you know what, what's been going on but also what's coming down the line and the same with sam and mike you know those guys are really at the at the forefront of, of seeing what's coming through in terms of uk innovation and construction innovation um because they're dealing with those grant and funding applications all the time you know it, it, uh, i can't wait for this one brilliant well let's let's get them on hi guys thanks for joining us today it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have uh, 
three powerhouses of uh, construction innovation in the UK with us on the call. We've got Sam Stacey from Innovate UK, uh, Keith Waller from Construction Innovation Hub, and Mike Pitts joining us from Innovate UK today. So it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic to, to, as I say, to have you all on the call. It'd be really good just to, for you guys to give us a bit of an introduction, uh, maybe starting with Sam. Uh, what it is that you guys are working on at Innovate UK, how you're engaging with the construction sector at the moment? Uh, so it all it all dates back uh, four or five years um, to the industrial strategy and the construction industry got a sector deal with a, a tremendous um, contribution from the government to improve the construction industry. So we've been uh, using this 170 million that we got from the government to make some fundamental changes across the construction sector and working really closely with government to use those procurement levers to help encourage the industry to, to take up the these new approaches at scale across the industry and uh, you know we're coming to the end of this um, this this uh, transforming construction challenge now and it's a very exciting time we've, we've produced some fantastic results we've really exceeded what we thought was possible in terms of improvements to the industry and it's this critical time now where the industry can can pick up and run with these outputs and uh, get some great benefits from them. Keith, what about yourself with Construction Innovation Hub? So the Construction Innovation Hub is one of the uh, projects that's been funded through the construction sector deal. So we've received around £75 million of that £170 uh, And really we've brought together the Manufacturing Technology Centre, Building Research Establishment and Cambridge University's Centre for Digital Built Britain to try and drive uh, and enable that change. We are not, as the Construction Innovation Hub, looking to be a market player. We're trying to enable the market. So we're trying to develop technical solutions that meet the ambitions of the challenge, work with government to try and shape the policy and regulatory environment, and work with industry to try and build capability and capacity so they are able to respond uh, to the ambitions of the sector deal and deliver better outcomes from the investment we make in the built environment. Absolutely. And, and Mike, uh, you're part of Innovate UK, so tell us what you've been working on as well. No, good morning. Uh, so I've been in Innovate UK for 10 years and worked on a lot of different programmes. And uh, the great fun with this one, Transforming Construction, is that we really tried this time to think about what happens when the R&D funding ends. We thought quite a lot about the culture change and the barriers that are holding the sector back from transforming. And that's why we've worked very hard to storytell around every single investment that we've made. And I've been leading on some of that work along with um, working with closely with the hub to make sure that the ecosystems put, the right kind of ecosystems put into place. So we're moving into a kind of deployment fusion phase as they call it in innovation uh, language. Um, and, and the idea there is to make sure that the, the kind of knowledge from what we've achieved is shared as widely as possible and, and understood by as many, as as many people as possible and, so yeah, we've got this incredible story catalogue. Uh, if anyone wants to go and kind of go and see that, the overview of everything, um, ukri.org/tcc. You, you mentioned the innovation ecosystem, there, Mike. It's probably a really good thing for the listeners of the podcast just to understand that ecosystem a bit more. Um, so we, we've got Innovate UK. We are regularly doing work as as writer architecture out in in other regions around the world, in, in Vancouver and in Australia, and and extolling the virtues of, of a really rich construction innovation ecosystem within the UK. Um, there's a lot of parts to it though. So, you 
them. Can you guys tell us a bit about how those parts fit together? We've got the accelerators, we've got the Construction Innovation Hub, we've got uh, Innovate UK. So for our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with that innovation ecosystem and, and just how strong it is, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, we've, we've been working for a long time in the UK to make the system more coherent, and that's not that's an ongoing process. Um, so Innovate UK is part of UK Research and Innovation, which brings together us and the Research Council. So all the research funding, which you know is recognised globally as world-class, our research base is incredible. But what we need to do is get better at pulling through the, the kind of high-quality research we do and turning that into real difference for business. And that's kind of where Innovate UK steps in. Um, Innovate UK has developed a series of different kind of products, I suppose, so kind of different kind of methods to overcome the barriers every sector faces. So there's things like catapults, and part of the catapult network is involved in the construction innovation group. And they're there to help um, scaling of solutions. We've got the knowledge transfer network to connect up and transfer knowledge from one sector to another. And that's what we've done so beautifully, I think. A real core innovation, Innovate UK territory here with the construction innovation group. Is uh, rather than try and force fit into something, we've created something that we kind of needed a kind of national R and D program that could put in one room the kinds of people that need to work on this challenge. So it's not just construction; it's the best from high value manufacturing. But you know, all the people who are working on those kinds of challenges in other sectors, the best of digital, the best of renewable energy, and understand how to integrate this stuff at a building level. Uh, so we. It might look complicated, that's because we try to develop the right answer for the challenge that we're working on while keeping it coherent. Sam? Um, yes, yeah, so um, I had a lot of experience working with Innovate UK uh, when I was at Skanska, and I really saw the value of what Innovate UK can do. Um, it provides connections between, through Innovate UK and the associated um, uh, KTN. It provides connections between uh, different businesses and then that little bit of funding that comes in to just get things over the line and uh, enable companies to come together and develop solutions that, frankly, they would have found um, too risky to do without that kind of support. So over a period of uh, probably eight years, I did a whole series of uh, collaborations with Innovate UK and I just saw terrific value coming from that, being able to bring solutions to the construction industry. Yeah, I think the, the ecosystem that the UK has is very strong, but I don't think historically the construction industry has levered that as well as it might. And obviously, uh, despite employing around 3 million people and being 7-8% of GDP, it tends to do less R&D uh, as a sector than other parts of the economy. And part of the reason for that is that uh, many construction projects are bespoke and non-repeated. Uh, the margins are very tight within the industry. So the industry really has been innovating to try and differentiate itself. So it's been tactical innovation for a project rather than strategic innovation for the market. And one of the things that Transforming Construction Challenge has done is it's brought together government and industry to start looking at some of those longer-term strategic things. How do we build... Um, in a way that's more sustainable, lower carbon? How do we drive modern, productive, digital manufacturing approaches into that? And some of these things are very difficult to justify on a single project. We 
which is how the market has tended to operate quite transactionally. So looking at how we make value-based decisions, how we shape a policy environment that encourages people to think about developing solutions that can be deployed across multiple projects, multiple parts of the sector. So moving from tactical project-based innovation to strategic market-based innovation is a real success story for the Transforming Construction Challenge. Yeah, we, we were obviously really honoured to have Lee Rowley, the construction minister at Future Build, just a few weeks ago, and um, we obviously toured him around the show. And, and he talked a lot about that he wants the government, um, or how the government wants the UK to be the most efficient, technologically advanced green construction sector in the world. Um, can you talk about how the TCC has helped take huge steps towards that? Um, I, I think the, the, the UK has started, uh, as in you know, starting the, the, the Transforming Construction Challenge, from a very strong base. And um, it, it's a very interesting um, question how we, we got into such a good position. Um, I worked for, for a, a multinational construction company for a few years, Skanska, and I was amazed to see just how advanced already, and I'm talking sort of 2010 to 2015, already the UK construction um, industry was really punching above its weight in terms of its capability. And I think that's been uh, about driven by a good deal of government support, particularly in the digital area over, over many years. And now we've been able to, you know, really accelerate that change. And I think we're in a fantastic position. I mean, literally, we are the best country in the world in terms of the sophistication at the higher end of a construction industry. That's great for British, uh, British society, but it's also great for British companies in the sector. So what, what we kind of discovered was that system I'm, I'm, I'm coming as an outsider in India so I, you know I'm not from the construction sector um, long innovation expert I'm actually a chemist and I'm, I'm amazed how well and how fast this sector will adopt innovation if it works you know real pragmatists and um, you know what we kind of discovered is the system itself has evolved this is globally into one that just delivers the cheapest products um, and the shift we're trying to see with the whole system is everybody recognizes problem with it. No one's fault in, 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 one, in any one sense. Um, but the system itself needed to shift together. And they, the, what the challenge has done is work with the entire system. And the government duty, as Sam says, must take a huge amount of credit here. They're, they're committed to changing the way they procure, um, you know, and, and stating that you know, things like digital technologies and modern methods have to be used. We have to take a value-based approach uh, rather than worrying about getting the cheapest uh, output it's getting the right outcomes and it's moving everything together in that way and that's where we've worked all all the way along and everybody's bought into it the shared vision has been so strong i've been incredibly impressed it's so been so clear that um you know all, all of the kind of seniors above us just recognize it understand it and completely applaud it and uh, the sector really really should look at itself and be very very pleased with what it's achieved and, and keep going yeah, I think that's right, Mike. And I think one of the one of the areas where perhaps there's been a barrier in the past that seems to be bursting through, picking up your point, Martin, about how do we drive that that transformation. We've often seen quite uh, laudable high-level objectives from government around let's increase social value, let's improve biodiversity, let's drive a path to net zero. But those policy objectives haven't regularly and consistently translated into how 
projects set, set out their requirements or how clients have engaged with the market or how procurement has been undertaken. So a lot of the work that we've been doing in, in the hub has been trying to shape that ecosystem to make it easier for clients to make informed, confident choices that you know these approaches will deliver that whole life value, will support those broader policy objectives. And at the same time, crucially, you know, support UK businesses to innovate, to grow, to be profitable in, in responding to that. So we're trying to take that, uh, you know, the, the high level strategic intent that government has set out and enable that to be converted into something that really makes a difference to industry and really makes a difference to the outcomes that the sector produces. I guess picking up on your point there, Keith, around making a difference to industry, I think for, for anyone listening that might be considering, well, what, what, what transformation has been brought about and how is this transforming industry? And from, from our perspective at Ryder, um, it's been phenomenal engaging with CIH and also uh, Innovate UK. Um, I think there's, there's some key key lessons that we've learned along the way and some key questions that, that we've probably tried to ask of ourselves and, and of, the, of how we're going to transform the construction sector and, and how the work that you guys are doing is going to enable that. I guess the first thing is around how we build so we've been really ingrained and, and, and working alongside with the great work of the CIH on the platform systems and, and, and MMC and uh, Innovate UK have funded uh, the Aquila project, um, which is phenomenal in terms of understanding how we can better optimise uh, site equipment using building information modelling. Um, so, so that how bit has been really fundamental for, for us working with you guys. You know, the, the what element has been there as well. So, you know, what do we build with? We've been doing an awful lot around advanced materials. And, and again, uh, Mike and, and, and Sam, you, you've been instrumental in supporting uh, companies like Thermulon and, and Sfera, who, who are developing carbon neutral and carbon negative fire safe insulation and, and, and block work using waste plastics to support the circular economy. So uh, uh, the final bit as well, which is probably one of the most important is why um, for me, and, and, and that's the social value space. and. Uh, and, and the whole procuring for value sort of um, rhetoric and, and being involved from very early days with the Construction Innovation Hub and, and the Value Toolkit work has, has, has been something that's that's, uh, that, that's really changed the way we think as a business um, and the way we interact with, with our partners. So we can totally see the benefit of, of this innovation ecosystem. I guess my question to you guys is, um, Looking back at the last four years in terms of the Transformer Construction Challenge, what were the highlights uh, for each of you? Well, if, I, if I can kick off there, I mean, one of one of the one of the sort of highlights uh, for me is is how quickly both uh, government and industry embraced the opportunity. Uh, I had set out on this uh, in this role about four years ago, thinking we would be doing quite a lot of work internally. Uh, and, uh, and and maybe at the end of it say, here's the outputs. But actually, what we realised very, very quickly is that to be successful, to have impact, we need to bring in government policy makers, we need to bring in the clients, and bring in industry to go on the journey with us. We wouldn't be able to produce the, the scale and quality of the outputs if we were doing it just by ourselves. And even if we did and we were able to, we wouldn't be able to land it with clients or have that support from industry. So. One of the highlights for me is that collaborative spirit that's happened, uh, you know, with us and government and with us and industry and with industry and government uh, itself. So, you know, government policy used to be something that was done to industry. 
and now it's something that's developed with industry. Things like the construction playbook, there was a huge amount of industry input into that. So we, there's a much greater understanding and collaborative spirit between government clients, policymakers, and the industry. And being able to harness that has been the, the absolute highlight for me. I really thought, uh, you know, it would be difficult to land some of these principles and to get people engaged, but it's actually been uh, much easier. And I just wish we'd started a bit earlier and been more ambitious uh, to try and get that almost from day one uh, to really sort of maximise the opportunity this, this funding has brought. Mike? Well, for me, it's always exciting when you get everybody who's got, uh, you know, this is innovation, but you get everybody who's got some part of the answer in the same room together. And you suddenly realise between them they've got all the answers. And it's what's been most energising for me is to see my high-value manufacturing experts with construction people digital guys in the room saying let's rethink some of the process you've got here because what we're really talking about with a lot of this is is rethinking the construction process to take out all those steps that have cost but don't have value and that means in a lot of cases in the first point just adopting a more standardized process and in some projects you know there's very very um very very successful companies stand putting their hands up and going we don't actually have a process the manufacturing guys coming in and going what what where, what's this? It's a lot of paperwork, you know. <laughs> now let's let's get this sorted out. And it's such low hanging fruit. Um, and the, uh, the the leap that some of these businesses have had from just really thinking through everything properly with that perspective that you know the kind of guys that are, can still optimize after all this time, you know, the way airplanes work or the way you know um, sports cars are put together applying their thinking to the construction process has been amazing. But the bit that really makes me delighted as uh, you know, someone working on this program is just how much is out there now. You know, the outputs of the program are being applied to tens of billions of pounds worth of real world projects. There's people living in homes that have been built using methods that we've, you know, we've, uh, we've pioneered. There's office blocks going up, the, the world's first kit of parts at net zero you know, we've got designs out there for what a net zero school would look like. And as Keith says, it's got the whole hospital program going. You know, we're going to build all these new hospitals and we're going to do it this way. And we're going to get better outputs because of it, faster, at lower cost, greater productivity. You know, it's, it's the, if that's the, the real joy for me is to see the, the real world application. Sam? Yeah, so, so um, Keith quite rightly flagged up this, this, this fantastic collaboration between government and, and, and industry and indeed academia. And, you know, I know from many years in the industry just how much you care about uh, uh, you know, what, what the clients are asking for. So to have this government procurement shifted uh, towards, you know, really encouraging stroke mandating the uh, techniques that we're talking about is a fantastically uh, powerful force. And we didn't know that that was going, going to happen, um, but I think that's, you know, that was fantastic to see. So construction playbook, um, tip roadmap to 2030, uh, other bits of, of government procurement, um, you know, really seeing that come through. And that, you know, that absolutely wakes up the industry, wakes up these companies and gets them on board with um, thinking, well, we, you know, we really have to do this now. You know, there is there is no choice. We're going to be we're going to be left out of the, the, the party unless we do these things. So that that is fantastic. I'd also like to flag up a project that you know that, that that I just particularly love, which is the Hyperpile project, 
so these are uh, hollow, uh, precast, uh, low carbon uh, piles. And, you know, this is one of these things. He's going to, everyone is going to go, um, you know, board piles, eight lumps of concrete in the ground. Nothing you can do about that. But this consortium, Calpray and uh, Arab and others, come together to create a whole new type of pile. Vastly less carbon emissions, uh, uh, much more efficient. You don't have to dig so much earth out because you've got this clever system to uh, 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 create some impressions into the, the hole so that you really grip the, uh, the pile really grips into the earth. Uh, the hollow core, you can use pipes, you can exchange heat, so that can provide heat and cool to, to, to buildings. Just lovely, you know, a, 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 an example of what Mike said, a, a number of organisations coming together and just finding better solutions, and that's what is, is so delightful about, you know, there are so many examples I could mention, but, uh, you know, it's delightful about what we've what we've stimulated. I mean, all credit to all the organisations. We're a facilitator, but so much credit to the organisations. We've talked about change quite a lot, and you know the need for or the willingness of the industry to you know to change and, and do things differently. But I, I suppose in the four years since the TCC launched, it's been a time of major change. Um, you know, for all of us, we've had not just COVID. We had. COP26, you know, a huge focus in on net zero, especially in the housing side of things. We've still got a housing crisis as well. Um, you know, what a time to be running the TCC and, you know, and, and try and bring those changes in. How have you stand, stayed relevant and, and reacted to those changes, Sam? Um, I, I mean, I, I think the marvellous thing, and I don't know whether this is luck or judgment, but I think the marvellous thing is that, that we've had answers for all the sort of challenges and priorities that have emerged during our time. Um, so, you know, I would say we probably started out with a primary focus on productivity, which remains important. But then, you know, COVID comes along and, and, and hits us. And the feedback that we've got from all the organisations that we're collaborating with is um, where they've been applying our techniques, they're more robust and resilient to the disruptions of COVID. Um, there, you know, COP COP twenty six uh, suddenly a more focus on uh, sustainability and carbon emissions, and we got answers for that too. It's 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 in our, um, you know, it's in our portfolio. It's in in our outputs. And leveling up has kind of risen up the agenda in, in the time that we've been operating. And again, uh, we can contribute hugely to the leveling up agenda by uh, moving the high value jobs away from construction sites into parts of the country where there is more opportunity and need to, to provide uh, uh, jobs. I think that, I mean, you take things like value toolkits uh, that you referred to earlier. So within that, there's the capability to consider social value, biodiversity, carbon, you know, and, and jobs that, that in, in, throughout the country. So you know, having a tool there that says, well, actually, if these priorities are changing, here's how you can, you can uh, adapt to them. But I think it's also worth... Um, perhaps not trying to make the transforming construction challenge take all the credit for how industry has responded. I mean, we've seen, you know, the, the Construction Leadership Council really step up to the plate uh, in terms of the industry's response to COVID. And that, that served, you know, as well as just that direct benefit and impact from that, that also uh, perhaps made government listen more to the sector, realise the sector had a voice it was worth listening to. So rather than, you know, reactively listening, they're proactively engaging. So we've 
opposite, we had the Construction Leadership Council going down one path, you know, the hub and the challenge going down another path, and government, you know, going or looking the other way. Actually, those three things have come together very nicely, uh, and we're seeing that amplification and reinforcement now, rather than you know just repeating parallel strands that aren't really delivering impact. So I think the Construction Leadership Council uh, have played a really key role in drawing industry together, convening industry, and giving industry a, a powerful voice within government that's helped you know, amplify the messages that are coming out from the challenge. collaboration that's happened has been fantastic and I think if anything it's got it's got stronger um, you know it was a good it was a good feature on a lot of our projects I mean, we've got competitors now working together to say let's solve some of the problems we have and go after a, a future market that's different rather than fight over the old um, and we've seen that a lot in the housing sector still we still don't have a skilled workforce to deliver the homes we have and you know, one of our large flagship projects the AI engagement seen a lot of that supply chain and the sort of leading house builders in this country come together and show that they can build 30% more homes with the same same skilled workforce because you're again you're making better use of the talent you have um, you're scheduling better you're, you know you're, you've not got um, you've not got roofers climbing up and down scaffolding because they're putting the roofing down on the ground and lifting it into place so it's it yeah it, 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 it's for those the ideas that have come forward are thinking very much about that future and, and uh, very relevant to overcome some of these challenges that have come along and let's hope we really do start to um, you know, deliver on the housing crisis and it starts to become something that goes into the, into the rearview mirror. Absolutely and, and everybody spoke about collaboration and um, the importance of you know, that and almost the pressing nature of addressing some challenges that, that, that you guys have taken up within the Transforming Construction Challenge and I guess from our perspective something that's really quite interesting is that we've got really strong as, as the UK in terms of the connections and the collaborations engaging with the accelerators and the capitals. Um, but from an industry perspective we're seeing some real value and some real um, interest from other areas of the world that have got very specific lab and um, up in British Columbia, real focus on um, the social value aspect of engaging with indigenous communities, but also uh, underrepresented communities, and all the way back over to Australia, where there's a massive push on marine biology and biotech and the impact that that can have, and it kind of plays to what Mike was talking about earlier, around the excitement that can be um, garnered when you get all of these, these people and thinkers into one space. We've done a really good job of getting the UK into some shape in that. Is there is there plans further down the line for how we might be engaging this global knowledge pool? Keith? Well, there's certainly aspects of our programme where we're already working uh, on quite a large and broad international reach. So that the digital programme, the global BIM networks that have been set up have been really helping to cement the UK's leading position uh, in, in terms of BIM and, and its delivery throughout the world. We're also having a number of conversations with foreign governments around the value toolkit, for example. So we recognise that the value drivers that may exist in the UK will be different in South America or, or Australia or Canada or wherever it's going to be. But that, that's the beauty of the toolkit. It doesn't tell you what the answer is. It gives you the questions to ask and allows you to 
what your own value drives in there. So people are seeing you know, the opportunity to deploy those sorts of tools uh, to help um, deliver their own national portfolios. But of course, part of our mission is also uh, within the construction innovation hub and the challenge as a whole is to look at uh, boosting exports. And of course, we expect to see uh, some of these services being you know, really valuable to some of our large multinational consultants who operate in these markets as well. Uh, but equally, one of the other areas we're, we're quite keen to do is, is ensure that we're building capability and capacity in the UK to, for example, manufacture solutions here rather than import them. So in terms of international, you know, there's a bit about opening up export opportunities, but there's also a bit of work really we need to do on import substitution, building that industrial capability and capacity here in the UK to service more of our domestic uh, construction needs. So, you know, I think that the tools, the products, the processes that have been developed through the challenge are scalable internationally. Uh, we need to look at the right models that, that support UK businesses to take advantage of those in their international markets. Yes, I mean, I think, well, although, although exports have been, you know, very much part of our, our mission from the beginning, you know, I think inevitably there's been um, a focus more locally within the UK uh, so far, but we've absolutely got solutions and things to offer to a lot of other countries. So I think it's incumbent on all of us and something I'm certainly enthusiastic about to you know, uh, exploit opportunities to help across the, you know, the, the, the ecosystems in other countries to uh, further these aims. You know, we, the, the same sorts of solutions are going to bring benefits wherever you're operating. Now, different countries, to some extent, have different uh, construction industries that are structured in different ways. But to a large extent, also, the, um, the, the lessons and the techniques are universal. So, you know, I, I think that's something that we will see a lot of in the future. And, you know, I would encourage UK uh, businesses to, to be confident about taking these solutions to, to other markets. You know, it may be that, you know, the, for me, certainly it was an eye-opener just to realize how relatively good the UK was. And I think that's a message that is worth sharing with people. And we'll, we'll move on uh, shortly to sort of what's next and the big challenges that you guys are, are addressing. Um, it'd be good to hear from each of you, though, very quickly on what, what, what do you think are the big challenges that the UK construction industry is is facing imminently? Oh well, I'll jump straight in. I mean, I, I, I think the I think skills is, is a massive issue. I mean, you know, we had Mark Farmer's report, Modernise or Die, a few years back, uh, you know, looking at the, the construction labour model, and you know that was twenty sixteen, I think, and it's got a lot worse. We've had we've had Brexit. Uh, uh, we've um, we've got enormous challenges around decarbonisation. Uh, we have a massive uh, skills issue. So the imperative to get more efficient with, uh, you know, increase productivity and get more out of the same uh, people. Mike's mentioned, um, you know, what we've seen with, with the ACPH project is huge. I mean, my belief is that we could take easily half the labour out what we produce, i.e. 50% improvement in productivity. Uh, and, you know, there are certainly instances where we can get a 90% improvement in productivity. I mean, there's, there's, there's vast opportunities uh, to go out there, but hell, we've really, we've really got something coming at us. Oh, 
or we're, we're, we're in, already in the storm in terms of uh, labour shortage. Before we go to Keith on uh, that one, Sam, what, what do you think the next steps for that are? I mean, that's a big question to put to you on the podcast, but in terms of, uh, is it about engaging higher education? Is it about engaging industry groups? You know, what's 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 a tangible sort of next step for trying to address that skills gap? Because it's a huge challenge. It is a huge challenge. Um, you know, to some extent, everybody's um, uh, fishing in the same pool in terms of, you know, there's a labour shortage in uh in the hospitality sector, in the retail sector, I know there's a lot of other things, but you know, I'm a champion of the construction industry. I think it's a fantastic industry. I think with the higher productivity comes the ability to to pay people uh, more generously, and construction industry offers this this really meaningful work. You know, it, it offers work where you're really addressing the things that matter to people at the highest you know the highest level the environmental challenges the, the social benefit uh the, this whole value spectrum so i think you know let's all get out there and us and, and, and then we do it get out there and say that it's an industry that uh, is incredibly satisfying and rewarding to, to work in so let's bring in the young people into the industry let's even encourage people who are more mature to to you know to change careers and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think it's the most exciting sector to work in by far. Um, so, uh, Keith, uh, you, you wanted to come in on the, on the big challenges that we're facing. Well, I think in, in the short term, we're, we're seeing an awful lot of inflationary pressure uh, in the economy as a whole and in the sector particularly. So we, we've got uh, uh, labour shortages, which are driving wage inflation. We've got energy prices. Uh, we've got material shortages. We've got tariffs on goods and availability. Uh, which presents a risk to governments and the ability to deliver its pipeline of projects and programs if inflationary pressure is so high. So, and again, as Sam said earlier, you know, through the challenge, we've developed a number of the solutions to these problems. We're talking about, uh, you know, delivering better outputs, better outcomes uh, from a, a smaller in capital investment in the first place. So, one of the risks, I think, that in, in terms of how government and how industry respond to these inflationary pressures, one of the risks is they'll just revert to time and it will be a race for cheapness when, and will delay uh, the ability. And of course that cheapness in terms of uh, price is not the same as cheapness in terms of cost. You know, So we'll end up with, with things that don't move the industry forward. And I think it's really important, as you say, that this is a fantastic industry to work in. But when I joined 35 years ago, a lot of the jobs were analogue, manual and wasteful. We're talking about what we're delivering through the challenge. We're talking about you know, digital, productive, and sustainable jobs. So that allows us to attract you know, the best talent into the industry. If we can start talking about the fantastic outcomes that the investment in the built environment delivers, rather than focusing on how we pour concrete or you know, how we put up shuttering, we really need to focus on to attract that, that best talent into the industry. The fantastic outcomes in terms of improving social value, you know, biodiversity, net zero, digital, all of those fantastic things. But if we if we focus too much on solving today's problems and ignore tomorrow's opportunities, we're just kicking the can down the road. So I think we really need to make sure that in addressing today's challenges, the inflationary pressure, we're not throwing out the opportunities to adopt digital manufacturing and attract that best talent into the sector for what is a fantastic career opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree. Before we go to Mike, just picking up on one of your points there, Keith, around inflationary pressure and uh, uh, there's a lot more work going on, and we're involved in a lot more work just around how we improve resilience. You know, 
resilience of our communities, energy resilience, resilience of our supply chains. Um, and a lot of this seems to be pointing towards how do how does construction in particular support a developing circular economy? You know, is, is that something that you got, that you're sort of seeing? And, and, and what are your thoughts around resilience? Oh, it's absolutely it's absolutely essential, and it's and it's adaptability as well as resilience that that, that some of these the, these tools and techniques and processes offer. And we we, we don't we, we've seen the sort of change in how what our high streets have looked like over the last few years, and, and the way that people are now perhaps less likely to be working five days a week in the office. So you want that resilience and adaptability, climate resilience, you know, and if you like business adaptability, so we can repurpose buildings, which you can do in kits of parts much more easily than traditional stick built environments. It makes you know, the investment uh, less risky for those people who are financing the projects as well. So we are looking at whole life and we're looking at end of life and we're looking at repurposing and we're looking at resilience uh, and adaptability in terms of the solutions we're developing. And of course, if we're able to uh, clearly articulate how through what we're doing, we're offering these better outcomes rather than just you know, describing the activities we're doing during construction, then I think we are we are helping to create uh, an industry that's more innovative, uh, more sustainable, more profitable, and is able to attract you know, the best talent into it. And Mike, last but not least, let's give us your big challenges. <laughs> Well, I think it builds on what both Dave and Sam have said. This is the, the big challenge is a culture shift. You've got you, you've got to you've got to shift towards this one of saying we are here to deliver for society. You know, and uh, I think that's on the way now. It's it, it's easy to it could be easy to drift back to that whole thing is how do we knock it out as cheaply as possible with the lowest amount of risk. Uh, to us and not worry about being part of this bigger thing that delivers um, benefit to society. You know, schools where you know pupils learn better because the you know the building physics are right. Um, you know, hospitals where people get better because the, again the, the environment works. Um, and just we know we know something like half of GDP is underpinned by uh, the built environment. You know, if you want to save the world. <laughs> Go and work in construction. It's got to be that kind of approach. So the processes we're talking about automate dull stuff, so that the talent we have can focus on really maximising our delivery of value. I think uh, this is where the manufacturing stuff's been so interesting. Going back and looking at it quite deeply, a lot of people think lean was all about you know removing waste. It's not lean. Lean manufacturing is about ruthlessly focusing on value rid of anything else that doesn't add to it and that's what we've started to see here um, and I think that's a much more exciting sector to be part of for everybody involved and so it's that culture change to shift that way that's so important and will deliver all these other things we talked about you know lower amounts of waste so we don't worry about materials and so forth and I think the platform system a concept opens up the opportunity to do circular economy in a much better way when you've got standardised components planning for how you reuse them in the future is a lot better. Even down to things like pilots, you know, Sam mentioned the hyperpile project. The idea is you put sensors into these hollow piles to monitor how they perform so you potentially could reuse them. You know, don't go digging another lot of piling when you, you know from monitoring it it's perfectly fine for another hundred years. I think from what you're saying around the culture shift, it yeah, really echoes true. I think there's almost a light and a dark side of construction, and, uh, and we've been over the last four to five years, we've been grappling with that. I think the work of uh, 
NCIH and, and, and a bit of NUK, and particularly the Transformer Construction Challenge, has brought a bit of integrity back to the sector, you know, and I think sticking with what Keith has said around let's not default and let's not go back to the way that it was, I think the, the challenge from my perspective moving forward is, is how do we maintain that integrity and build upon it? Um, not lose our bottle at the last minute with regards to supporting those added value um, elements, Mike. Well, that's how you attract talent. You know, if you've got the positive attitude, that's how you deliver on the on the value approach. You know, this is how you become even more relevant. You know, we talk so much about you know, government talk about build back better. The sector's primed to do it as long as it embraces this kind of this kind of culture shift that's under that's underway, and you know, deservedly so. I think for me, what's been amazing to see is that obviously Bayes have just confirmed. Oh, I think yeah. I think for me, what's been great to see is that obviously Bayes have just confirmed um, rising the UKRI budget. You know they're going to invest twenty five billion now over the next three years, and that's really into world class research and innovation across the UK. So, you know, what's coming? What's coming from you guys? Um, and you know, how can we really? It feels like we need this call to call to industry. Or call to action as well. Well, we, what what's really um, you know been a, I, it, the success of the Transformer Construction Challenge has been fantastic for the profile of the whole sector within within UKRI, um, and we kind of see we think the kind of new build, which is where we focused on that, is that shift is happening, and we wanted to carry on, and it's kind of the sector's opportunity to take that forward now. We're not going to give you more R and D money because you kind of know how to do it now. You know, you, we've proven a lot of the things you've been talking about for a few decades. I think the challenge now is to shift to existing stock. You know, we have this huge problem. We can't get to net zero unless we decarbonise into the buildings. Um, I'm right now working with the, a team within Innovate UK as we think about what a net zero strategy might look like, what our longer term plans might be. Innovate UK has been around for 15 years. We're thinking, what's the world going to look like in another 15 years? Which takes us to roughly the end of the sixth carbon budget, by which stage, you know, we have to pretty much, you know, I think we'll have to be certainly three quarters of the way towards having fully decarbonised the housing stock uh, and our buildings. That's a massive challenge. That's a massive opportunity for the sector. The skills pressure is big now. There's even more to come. But where, where do we play a role in Everyone's got a part in that. Where can Innovate UK most usefully leverage its its its, its uh, investments? And I say that very clearly because you know, ideally, you know, when all else fails, we'll give you a grant. Really, a lot of what we're trying to do is uh, with our investments is help shift systems in the way that we have done with transformer construction. So, it's how do we work with uh, the energy that's already there and help it go faster? It's always about removing barriers and things moving faster. I think just on the, before we move to Keith and Sam on that, what I think what's really interesting about that, Mike, is that it puts us, that we can already see that we're moving towards that space of non-domestic retrofit and the importance of what we do with that existing building stock. And it, what's really exciting from the perspective of what's next for you guys from our, our perspective is uh, being able to demonstrate impact in terms of impact to people's lives, people's homes, the places people work, the cities people occupy, you know, that's where it's we really start to see that um, affect the fabric of, of our environment. 
well, uh, of course, net zero energy, net zero heat couldn't be more in the news right now, of course, because, you know, with the reliance on Russian gas and the, you know, how do we become energy independent, how do we get the energy security, it's, you know, and, and with the rising costs uh, of just heating your home, it's, it's, it's a forefront of people's minds. So, again, it's a real opportunity for, for the sector to say, look, we've got the answers, we can do it quickly, um, you know, we can make your lives better. Uh, it's patriotic. Patriotic to insulate your home. Patriotic to get a heat pump. Sam, what's what's next? I, I think that um, you know I I am I'm, I'm a great optimist. It obviously, you know, it, it, it'll come across. I think we're on the right track here. But at the same time, you know, we've we've presented all this proof that there are better ways of doing things. Uh, government procurement is is pulling that through and so forth. But inevitably, there's going to be people who are kind of thinking, well, let's see how this plays out. You know, Let's see whether this really does work. And that requires that critical mass, that tipping point of people to get on board with these techniques, because there's absolutely no doubt that they do work if they're applied properly. So I think what we need, we, what we need to see is some real business success coming out of all these changes. You know, the... the the, the market capitalization of uh, businesses in the construction sector is really puny, you know, it's really, really small. And it's because of these low margins and this dysfunctional nature of the industry that we've had, but we've really unlocked that. And, you know, what I think we will see is some really successful businesses that people are going to uh, be impressed by, um, you know, possibly some sort of unicorn SME types, possibly some of the, the, the bigger players becoming uh, a lot more successful and valuable and you know that really attracting the talent and building up momentum uh, within the industry so you know i think that's what's next i, I think that i always caution and mike is the same caution against uh, the industry sort of looking to grant funding and so forth as as the panacea or as the as the, uh, the thing that's really going to uh, feed the
those that are currently working with us, and how do we attract that new talent in? So it'll be a, it'll be a dreadful shame if we had the right technical solution and someone who wanted to buy it and we had no one here to deliver it. You know, and, and at the moment uh, we're seeing a uh, I think an accelerating shift towards digital to manufacturing, and we need to make sure we've got that capability and capacity and skills here in the UK market to be able to service that. You know, so we can really take advantage as a society of, of the outputs that have come from the challenge. So I think there's a longer term focus on building capability and capacity. So we're able to respond. And much of that, picking up Mike's point from earlier, you know, it's looking at how we can apply those skills and, and attract that talent to look at the existing stock. 99.5% of the infrastructure we're going to have in the UK next year is already here. You know, so how do we address uh, you know, not just the housing stock, but the existing infrastructure stock? How do we make sure we, we are able to do it in a way that supports social value, supports UK businesses, supports a path to net zero? Looking at capability and capacity, not in how many more bricklayers or, or plasterers do we need, but those new skills around digital, around manufacturing, around assembly, that really are going to be crucial uh, to be able to deliver the transform sector that we aspire to. So we've heard um, that reverberation, that call to action um, from all three of you. I guess as we come to sort of the end of our time uh, on the podcast together, people are going to be wondering how do they get involved? What should they check out? What should they be reading? What should they be signing up to or subscribing to? Um, or what should they be following? Uh, I suppose just from from each of you, uh, where would you direct people? Well, obviously, you just follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's at Pinson. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I said earlier, if you go to ukri.org slash TCC, there we've got the outputs for the challenge. We've got a brochure which details every single investment we made. There's also a link to the story catalogue which breaks down the story behind every investment. You can, can take that and build new stories, tell the stories you want around the themes that are important for you. There's a pretty good video which I think over 10 minutes shows you the full breadth uh, of what we invested in. And we're really proud of this. There's not a single second of stock footage in that whole video. This is actually what happened on our projects to give you a, an idea of the kind of breadth. And I think there's some wonderful moments in there, even you know, video interviews from people who are actually living in some of the homes um, that we've you know that we've, we've kind of funded under this this program. Uh, and last of all, there's a kind of impact report there, which gives you some idea as to um, you know what the what the program overall achieves. I think you can even have a link through to the our, you know our event from a couple of weeks ago where the minister talked and, and you can get a full fuller fuller appreciation of overall what happened in the challenge. So that's how you can really learn what we we've done. Uh, I'd echo to uh, Mike's call to, to have a look at the video on, on the UKRI website. That'd be worth a a, a, a view to see that breadth of, of, of achievements over the last four years. Obviously, you can go to uh, the Construction Innovation Hub website as well, which has the opportunity to, to get involved in, you know, and receive all the updates and, and newsletters. But outside the challenge, I'd also encourage uh, people to, to have a look at the Construction Leadership Council's uh, plan for 2022. It's a look back on 2021 and what was coming next. So that gets a breadth of views. The, the innovation that's been delivered across the challenge through UKRI, some of the specific things that are still coming from the Construction Innovation Hub, and that broader industry view from the Construction Leadership Council. With those in, with those together, that should give you a good rounded picture of what's happened and what we think should be happening next. Simon, anything more to add? 
Oh, well, it's, it's been covered very well. I mean, I think um, I, I would emphasise the um, construction playbook and the tip roadmap for 2030. So, you know, this is this is the government laying out what it wants from the industry uh, and provides, uh, you know, provides a lot of good guidance for what to focus on and how to um, exploit the opportunities that are out there for the industry. Cool. And we always end the podcast, guys, look into the future. Um I'm going to put you all on the spot here. I really want uh, that soundbite from you all on the future of construction innovation. You know, what what do we want to see from the future of construction innovation? I'm going to throw Keith straight on the spot here uh, and go to Keith. Well, I think I'd, I'd like to see sustainable, ethical, innovative and productive UK businesses, but who are employing you know, people from a much more uh, diverse and inclusive um, because I think we, as an industry, don't necessarily reflect the society we serve uh, in, in our workforce. So I think rather than trying to persuade people that unattractive jobs are attractive, let's make attractive jobs attractive to, to, to the best talent. So move away from that analog, manual, wasteful careers to digital, productive, sustainable. That's what I'd like to see. Excellent. Mike, construction innovation. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's all about that built environment, that infrastructure, uh, how you're making their lives better, that focus, I think the focus is shifting towards that needs to be, that needs to be about. And Sam? I, I just want the industry to, to waste no time, no energy and no materials in delivering beautiful and sustainable buildings. I couldn't have said that better from, uh, from our three guests today. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, the time has literally flown. Uh, thanks for your riveting conversation. So Oliver, that was absolutely fascinating, especially to look back at those four years of the Transformer Construction Challenge and also just giving us a glimpse into what's coming in the future. I'm really excited about what's, uh, what's next for uh, UKRI, especially given that big funded bump that they received um, and, and the plans that Keith outlined for where the Construction Innovation Hub is going to be focusing its energy um, over the coming years. So, the, yeah, some amazing, amazing comments there from uh, Keith, Mike and Sam. And look forward to catching up with those guys again pretty soon. Um, and so what's what's next up for us on the Future X I, podcast? I think we've got, to, we've got to catch up with the guys from the Big Innovation Pitch final. Yeah. You know, we'll... Yeah, let's 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 get chat to those. Let's let's introduce them to the audience and talk about some of those amazing innovations that we that we judged. Absolutely, and also just a little bit of a sort of a shameless plug here for Future Build. But you can watch all of our conference sessions now on demand. So just go to uh, the Future Build website, which is futurebuild.co.uk, and you can access all of this year's conference on demand. Um, and also, if you like the podcast, please share and subscribe. Join our community to stay up to date with all things FutureX. Visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up. Please also like them and share them to help grow our community. You can subscribe to the podcasts within your favourite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.